I love Jared Allen. Fear the frog. How with the right hand. That's our boy Bob Schmidt. <laughs> Jared Allen with authority. This is the Fear the Fro podcast, a Cleveland Cavaliers and NBA podcast with Bob Schmidt. Nobody's going to subscribe. Welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast, a Sunday edition before Indigenous Peoples Day. Right after this Cavaliers game against the Chicago Bulls, where they enacted their vengeance. Now, you might look at the score and say, how is that possible, Bob? They lost 102 to 101. But that was after they went to taco time. That doesn't even count. They won when it mattered, while they had the starters in the game before they went to the garbage lineup. And I don't say that as a you know derogatory way to speak about some of our end-of-the-bench rotation players. But basically, by the time Taco got into the game, we were just showcasing his massive length. It wasn't about winning then. We won when it mattered. And we won in a way that was very unorthodox. This game featured a starting lineup of Jared Allen at the 5, Evan Mobley at the 4, Lowry Markinen at the 3, Isaac Okoro at the 2, which honestly is probably a more natural fit for him, at least on the defensive end, and Ricky Rubio playing point guard. And my, oh my, it's hard to say after a one-game sample that this is the answer. But certainly, it seems like an experiment that can be utilized at times. Now, with Chicago specifically, DeMar DeRozan is the type of wing player who doesn't take a lot of three-pointers, so he doesn't stretch the floor in a way that most of the night we saw Evan Mobley as the guy who was the primary defender on DeMar DeRozan. But Evan Mobley, what a game this man put on, especially in the second half, showcasing everything that the Cavaliers drafted him for. In the first half, the Cavs got an excellent performance from Lowry Markinen at the three. He came out of the gate aggressive, he came out shooting, and you could tell he had some fire in him to put on a show against his former team. It's not often you see an NBA team roll out effectively. I know technically Allen is slightly under seven feet, but three seven-footers in the front court, and Ricky Rubio, who was just... Heady play after heady play. Nine assists in the first half. Now, his shooting, atrocious. But I'm willing to overlook at least three or four of those misses if he continues to nutmeg Lonzo Ball every time the Cavs play the Bulls. December 8th, by the way. That's the next time, and I'm hoping this becomes a shit-talking rivalry. If there is an argument to be made against Colin Sexton, the people who line up to say that this man doesn't deserve a big extension are going to pull out this game tape. because. The type of play we're getting from Ricky Rubio, these early preseason results are definitely a feather in the cap of Kobe Altman. I said on Twitter, at Fear the Fropod, this should be amongst the first lines in Kobe Altman's resume. The fact he turned Torian Prince into this, the impact Ricky Rubio and Lowry Markinen, and even shifting Kevin Love to the bench is going to make on this team and their ability to be in competitive games night in and night out is going to be dramatic. And I don't think I'm saying that, just simply reactionarily. We've seen the Cavs take a step forward every single game on the offensive end of the floor as we've been going along through preseason. The first one, of course, terrible game, nowhere to go but up. But then Atlanta, who was weakened by Trey not being there and Capello not being there, so I don't take as much from it despite the win. But then to see what we did tonight after the previous night against the Pacers, I am very encouraged by Lowry finding his way, by Mobley figuring out how he can exploit mismatches, 
and ways to pick apart pockets in the defense that are being created by the movement that guys like Lowry Markinen's gravity and Ricky Rubio's court awareness is creating. And even with a guy like Dylan Windler, who it's not a big stat line tonight, it's only nine points, but he did it in five attempts. And if you count that half-court heave that he just didn't get off in time, he went four for six from the floor, buried the corner three. We just need those options who are ancillary offensive options to be respected. And Lowry Markinen, you can't give him space. He put it on the floor tonight, and he hit a couple of threes. And Dylan Windler, if he is this confident, he looks comfortable out there. If he can stay healthy, I think the type of gravity that he can have as a three-point shooter will at least open up some lanes so we can see the kind of drives to the rim that we may not have had in past seasons just due to having so little outside shooting. So when Sexton comes back, and with what we saw from Mobley tonight, and even in the drives to the rim that we got from Lowry Markinen, I was impressed. He was able to put it on the floor a few times, even with DeRozan on him. He blew past him. He put down a couple of dunks. He even missed a dunk or two. But still, that type of aggression and, th- and that type of movement off the ball, it's so much more pronounced when you see the kind of impact he can have on the offense, how much we were missing that in the second unit last season and even in several other previous seasons, to be honest. So you have a willing score, and alongside Rubio, who knows where to get guys the ball and who seemingly is aware of everybody's movement around him, that duo is going to lift up this bench to a degree which we haven't seen since the era when Luke Walton was here with Sean Livingston. Now, that was a bench that was very lovable too, but I think this bench unit is perhaps the one I'm most excited about in all the recent years since the LeBron return. Because to turn Torian Prince into a guy who is definitely going to contribute huge minutes for the Cavs as the first guard off the bench, and even as a spot starter, if Garland or Sexton go down or miss any significant amount of time, Rubio feels like a starter-level player coming off the bench. Admittedly, tonight we were running a lot of the offense through the front court. You saw Mobley get to handle the ball a lot. Lowry Markinen was very aggressive, very aggressive in the first half, finished the game with 18 points, had three blocks, two steals, shot over 57% from the floor, and just in general, showed the kind of assertiveness and aggressiveness we want. Anyone who is thinking that this guy was just somebody who bombs away from three got to see a lot more than that tonight. He put the ball on the floor. And how many times did we see him flash through the lane on offensive rebounds that the Cavs corralled to try to take advantage of guys sleeping? At least tonight, he was very aware of everything that was happening and trying to take advantage of off-ball movement, which has been one area that's been extremely frustrating if you're a Cavalier fan over the past few years. Now, to the other side of the ball, there are people who will say that this gimmick is not sustainable. And it may not be. It may be situational. But the thing is, The Cavs now have a lineup in the front court. As difficult as it may prove to be to balance out these minutes, they can go traditionally big with Jared Allen. And Mobley has shown the capability to be fast enough and aware enough and good enough at defense that you can put him on a wing if need be, or you can put him on an unconventional four, your Keldon Johnsons, your DeMar DeRozans. Even on opening night, when they take on the Grizzlies, if Adams is in there banging, you got Allen. But if they decide to go Jaron Jackson, logging big minutes at the five, Mobley can hang with him if that's what the case calls for. 
when you have the ability to put Mobley in the five slot, despite his, well, his weight, really. Alizé Johnson, he couldn't do anything with Mobley. And when you can play Mobley at the five and you get the ability to roll out Love or Lowry Markinen at the four, that is a lot of offensive firepower with still excellent defense covering you at the rim. This is the difference in my mind between having Larry Nance run the three a little bit. We all liked when they would roll out that giant lineup as well, but the difference was you were relying on Kevin Love to be able to cover up for Larry Nance if the wings were able to exploit him. Now, you're relying on Evan Mobley to cover up for Lowry Markinen, which is a far better outcome almost 99% of the time. There are people shying away from even challenging Evan Mobley, and this is a man who's on his fourth game against NBA starter-level competition during this preseason. It is a great sign to see what he's been able to do as sort of an afterthought in the offense, doing everything he can on the defensive end and taking advantage of what they give him on the other end. And tonight, he put together a complete stat line doing that. And whether you consider it Lowry or whether you consider it Evan Mobley, the fact that two new forward additions to the Cavs were the stars of the game and Rubio was the star of the backcourt game, I don't think I've been this excited for a preseason game since, I don't know, at least three years ago. It is such a luxury. I was worried a little bit when I saw it that it was going to get exploited on defense, but people aren't testing Mobley, and the guy can cover a lot of ground, and his awareness to be able to pick up rotations between him and Allen. There were a lot of these blocks tonight that were just a result of a lot of hands in the air and the Bulls throwing up some circus stuff and finding those shots get tipped or deflected, or in the case of one of these taco fall blocks, just outright blanketed. And I referenced Jaron Jackson Jr. earlier. In my mind, I kind of had hoped that what we would get out of Mobley this year was, you know, 13 to 14 points with six or seven rebounds and a couple of blocks. In my mind, that was a barometer for which I would gauge him to have a successful rookie season. And even that, maybe that was a bit aggressive. But after seeing what he did tonight, certainly, it's not going to be like tonight every night because Garland and Sexton weren't in there and they're going to take up, well, a large amount of the shots. And certainly, the offense will run differently with them as better offensive players in there than it did tonight with Rubio, where he deferred a lot to the front court options. But with every passing preseason game, I can't help but feel like perhaps his ascent into a high-level NBA player will be faster than I expected, despite the fact that he is so light. He's shown that he's still going to find ways to impact every game, even if those aren't always conveyed statistically. And certainly, I always have my hesitations about taking a big man early, despite what everybody said about his, you know, Anthony Davis comps or Chris Bosh comps. Everybody has positive comps before the draft. I just needed to see it for myself against NBA-level competition with NBA bodies, with the height, with the weight, with the athleticism. But seeing him out there, I'm fully on board. I'm fully on board with riding this Evan Mobley train because already, even as a rookie, he's clearly a floor raiser for everybody that you put around him. And he may not be the vocal leader for a while, and he may not be the on-floor leader for a while, but a lot of the reservations I had about trading Larry Nance Jr., I don't know that we're going to miss that as much as we were worried that we would. Yes, nobody wanted to lose Larry. But when you look at what Evan Mobley is capable of doing in terms of similar skills, in addition to the added offense we got from Lowry Markinen, the move seems way more justifiable when viewed through that lens.
So let's pivot to Lowry. I admit, when he got traded, it was a lot of money for a guy who seemingly had no leverage in the market. And of course, nobody wanted to lose Nance. But this bench unit, to see a night like tonight, where the guys who were the main stars of the game, I think you could look at who played the best tonight, and you could say, well, it was Lowry Markinen, it was Evan Mobley, it was Ricky Rubio, despite his atrocious 31% shooting from the floor. His aggressiveness and his leadership on the offensive end opened it up for a lot of other guys to have extremely efficient nights. And I don't even want to write it off that the steadiness we got from the small forwards in Windler and Osman and even Lowry Markinen, a lot of that could simply be due to how the offense was run with Rubio at the helm. Maybe it's easier for them to find their spots versus playing alongside a very ball-dominant Sexton and Darius Garland, who takes some unnecessary chances still, which hopefully will be eliminated from his game this year. But there's been a lot of turnovers with our backcourt of the future there in these first handful of games that need to be shored up if we want to stay in these games during the season. Markinen over 50%. Mobley, over 50%. Jared Allen, Held onto the ball tonight, finished some buckets, got an awesome left-handed dunk on a spin move that if you're hanging on to that Collins highlight where he got dunked on, this is one of the ones on the other end that you want to watch because Jared Allen had a very productive, albeit not a high-usage night. They didn't need much from him because they got a ton from the front court. It was interesting to see in the absence of Collins Sexton and the absence of Darius Garland what the offense looked like when we ran so much of it through the front court. I was extremely pleased. Dylan Windler finished with nine, four, and four. Three of his five shots went in, and it didn't count, but he he buried a three-pointer from half court at the buzzer. The ball just didn't leave his hand quite in time. So another good showing from Windler. The small forward spot tonight, if you count Lowry Markinen amongst that group, good results. Okoro was decent, had nine points, three for six from the floor. It wasn't a loud night from him. It wasn't something that you look at the numbers and say, this was, finally he turned it around. No, he was probably the most modest of the options that we had who manned some minutes on the wing. But both Dylan Windler and Chetty Osman, I mean, you got 11 points out of Osman on 5 of 8 shooting, and you got 9 points on, out of Windler on 3 of 5 shooting. Just what you want them to be. Guys who move the ball, who don't take bad looks, and who managed to contribute in other ways. I liked what we saw out of Rubio. I liked what we saw out of Windler. I loved what we saw out of Evan Mobley. So one more preseason game before the regular season opener against the Memphis Grizzlies next Wednesday night on the 20th. This Friday, we got a layoff for a little bit of time. And then Friday, one more chance to topple the Pacers and hopefully slow down Malcolm Brogdon. And then it's the regular season opener. Allen versus Adams. Mobley versus Jared Allen, Colin Sexton versus Ja Morant, and, well, I guess it would be DeAnthony Melton against Darius Garland. And at the small forward spot, nobody's stopping Lowry Markinen, so who cares who they roll out there? It's just going to be a pile of bodies. Kyle Anderson, Dylan Brooks. We heard a lot of talk about Dylan Brooks to the Cavs this offseason. We'll see how that works out, whether $13 million for Dylan Brooks in some sort of trade that would have sent Larry or a first-round pick there was really a better alternative than moving Larry and bringing in Lowry Markkinen. Because if this is the Lowry Markkinen that shows up, good things are in the Cavs' future, especially from that second unit. As far as questions answered, to this point, 
I think everybody who roots for the Cavs has to be feeling pretty good about Evan Mobley. On the other side of things, there are concerns about Darius Garland's ability to limit his turnovers and Colin Sexton, who hasn't really found his shot yet and has had some sloppy play, but those guys have earned the benefit of the doubt. Okoro still has a lot to prove. To this point, I don't know that I would even say that he has been the best option at small forward. We've seen two strong games from Windler. Okoro has laid two relative turds and had two okay games, and I'm counting tonight amongst the okay games, but Atlanta was far and away his best showing. Game one, game three, not great. And tonight was just, I would call it average. The thing is, I can't help but come away feeling that his biggest strengths, which are defense, they're far less critical with Mobley roaming around there in the back along with Allen. So it might prove out that we just need more offense than we need defense. If Okoro can't do more on that end, then it's going to be hard for him to hold off guys like Lowry Markinen or even on a modest level for Windler not to cut into his minutes significantly because Windler seems to be getting more comfortable and he's taking the opportunities given to him and he certainly is a better shooter. There's really no disputing that. Meanwhile, over in Brooklyn, Kyrie Irving's not going to play in the home games. Steve Nash acknowledging it finally today, what we all knew, which is that when Kyrie Irving joins your team, you're a fan. When you see him on the court, you're a fan. But slowly, through comments, through dividing a locker room, through putting his self-interest ahead of any and everything else, eventually, all who love Kyrie will be disappointed. If you want an enjoyable experience, just go to the Go Nets subreddit for the Brooklyn Nets. Look at the posts when he joined the team, proclaiming themselves as world champions and defending him to the nth degree. And then look at them now as these same people. And the best is when you click into post history and you can just see the trajectory of positive, defensive. Okay, a little more subdued. Okay, I hate this guy. It's a journey we've all gone on. I appreciate the shot. I'll be happy for that title forever. And he had a hand in it. But God, does he make it difficult to root for him. It's just how it goes. Good luck with that, Brooklyn. We'll be over here, sucking off Evan Mobley, every chance we get. And this has been the Fear the Fro podcast. Follow me at Fear the Fro pod. Download it. Subscribe. Rate. Review. Please. Thank you. I am Bob Schmidt, the voice of Fox Sports Radio, and this is my Cavs and NBA podcast, Fear the Fro. Good night. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Tomorrow. Well, today, probably. I'm posting this so late. Good chance you didn't hear it on Sunday. Okay, that's enough. Stop it! This has been another Fear the Fro. It's over. Podcast. That was pathetic. If you enjoyed what you heard today, put it on the highlight reel. Please consider subscribing. Check out FroPod.com for more Cavaliers and NBA coverage. That's what's on display here.